They may not know everything about sports, but the view from their couch is pretty good. So kick back and enjoy a brew, because you know they already are. Here is Eric Dorsch. They're crazy enough to let me be in charge. Russ Ivanek. 8 out of 10 from the judges. 5 out of 10 from the German judge. And Justin Marcus. Our best defense has been long, hard, and yellow all year long. This is Armchair Sports Talk. All right, another week, which means another episode of Armchair Sports Talk, where we're going to talk everything from Lions to college football, do a little best of topic. But, Russ, we're going to lead this show off in a way we've never let it off before. This is the first time. You can go back, do all the math you want. We've never let a show off talking about Detroit Tigers baseball. We are going to start off talking about Detroit Tigers baseball. Boo. Pretty much the consensus I thought I was going to get. But, Justin, I know you're excited. You're excited for some Detroit Tiger baseball talk. I mean, what's better than a nice summer day and a beer and the empty grandstands at this Comerica Park? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Russ Ivanak and Justin Marcus, <laughs> my co-hosts on this show, always upbeat, always positive. No, really? We're not even going to talk a lick about the Tigers. I want to talk about this whole little mini scandal that means absolutely nothing, but more people are making a big deal out of it than they need to. It's the fact that yesterday, during his post-game interviews, Justin Verlander allegedly banned a free press reporter from the locker room saying, I don't want to talk to this guy. The stuff he did when I was here, I, I, I want nothing to do with this guy. The guy was finally able to get in. Went over to talk to Verlander, and Verlander's response was, I don't have to answer your questions. Pretty straightforward here, Russ. All I want to know is the city of Detroit, whether he's here or not, holds Verlander on a bit of a pedestal. He's always been that great player. He's always going to be a Tiger, all this and that. Does something like this kind of, I don't know, put you off a little bit on being a Verlander supporter when you hear him kind of being a dick to someone who... Whether or not he was a great person, he still had to, at one point or another, write a glowing article about Verlander because everybody did. No, actually, if anything, I'm leaning towards Verlander here. Okay. Um, and it's it's not like the whole pit of misery or whatever uh, Caldwell like to call the Detroit media. Mm-hmm. But Verlander reached out to the free press supposedly several times leading up to the game saying, why and I'm not going to talk to him. Please send someone else. Yeah. Gave them more than ample opportunity. Apparently, he explained himself several times. This is all through posts on social media. Verlander threw up. I don't know how else he's supposed to handle it. Like, if there's someone that you have a problem with and it is untenable, he he handled it honest. He handled it up front, and the free press didn't even want to address it at all. So, it, it no, it doesn't tarnish my image of Verlander at all. If anything, I'm siding with him. Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally understand. Um, the tweet you're talking about, the original one was from Justin Verlander's personal account. I declined to speak with the Free Press reporter last night because of his unethical behavior in the past. I reached out to the Free Press multiple times before the game to notify them why and to give them an opportunity, as you said, Russ, to have someone else there. Ironically, they didn't answer. Although I tried to avoid this situation altogether, I've still reached out to the Free Press multiple times today with no response. They're still not interested in my side of the story. So I guess this does feel a little bit like a you pick your side and see which side you believe of all this. But, uh, Jay, I know you you like salty. You like these kind of things. So which side of the fence are you sitting on, the paper or Verlander? Uh, well, first of all, I'm just here so I won't be fined. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if that says anything. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I fully support it. I mean, he's clearly got a beef with them, and whether he's right or wrong, I think he had every right to do what he did. So, I mean, if he's claiming that someone did something unethical, then there's probably some truth to it. So screw the guy. He doesn't get to talk to him. Okay. All right. Um, I see your guys' points, but unfortunately, I think I'm going to lean a little more to the side of the media. Verlander, if you you did all the right steps, I'll say that, but they still sent you that reporter. Here's where you have that opportunity to be the bigger guy. Just give him the straightforward, quick answer to interview where you answer his questions, you know, in the way the Houston Astros would want you to answer him. No, no jabs, no nothing. And then if this guy goes out and makes a hack slot piece, you can sleep well at night knowing I didn't answer it that way. This guy clearly needs to make up his stories for readers. And that's the end of it. Uh, I think all, all you did here by like saying, oh, I don't have to answer your questions. I'm blocking you is you just you made this guy more known than he needed to be. You actually probably helped him it? out a little bit. Um, Anthony, I got to look now. Uh, I actually I heard I, his name earlier today. Yeah, Anthony Fen- Fenerick. Does that sound right? Oh, hell if I know. Yeah, um, Anthony Fenick. Anthony, F-E-N-E-C-H. Anthony Fenick. Okay. Was the name of the reporter for the Free Press, and we're giving him some promotion here. But, uh, yeah, it, I, to me, that's all you did. You just, you get, uh, sorry, I'll go back and bleep out the name every time I say it. <laughs> um all you did is really just give this guy a little bit more of a pedestal, some extra followers, some people that are going to read his articles for the next couple of weeks to see if he throws the jabs in there. This could have been all avoided if you just have him come in, he asks you the question, you go, yeah, didn't play well today, team couldn't get the win. Oh, yeah, those two home, home runs are the only thing I'd take back. Other than that, I pitched great. So it's it's one of those things where I just think you could have, this could have never had to have been what it is, but it is because all you because you chose as a profile high profile athlete to say, I don't have to answer your questions. I'm banning you from the locker room. So. Yeah. That, and I get, I get that. But at the same time, what did this guy do to draw Verlander's ire? Because I, it really doesn't sound like just some petty disagreement. If he's calling him unethical, like at what point do you take the stance of, all right, I can't just grin and bear it anymore. Well, to be fair, I, I again, I, 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 well, I don't think we'll probably ever know unless you do a deep no, dive. Probably but not. to be fair, and I don't know that this is him. I don't know that this guy actually has, like, the free press Twitter as what he tweets out from. But yesterday after the game, the free press did tweet out a, a, a picture of Verlander with the caption, uh, Verlander gets Tigers to 2-1 victory, or leads Tigers to 2-1 victory because he gave up two home that. runs. So... <laughs> Whether it's just little stuff like that where the guy is clearly making a joke, but he's doing it at the expense of the former player, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, listen, we, we, we all have seen Verlander for years and years. He's not one to ever seem to get too hot under the collar. So whatever this guy did, he had to have clearly done something pretty big. Right. But, but at the same time, it's like I, I don't think you can look back at sports at all and not see a time where, you know, Sports writers, that's their job. They need, they want you to say something that's going to make the story. That's how they get their stories. You giving them the, yep, yep, need to go out there and execute. Yep, yep, that's nothing to them. That's why they're asking these kind of questions, to see if they can get you to react in a way that's going to give them the big scoop. All Verlander had to do was just stick stick to the yep, yep story, and you would have been fine. That's how I feel well, about it. Yeah, you can... You can write the, sl- the slander pieces. You can 
just hammer someone. You can make fun of someone and stay ethical, right? I, I don't know what it, what it happened that justifies being called unethical yeah. because that's beyond anything that you just gave as an, as an example. Okay, that's fair. I, I agree with you. I do. Uh, we'll see what comes of it. Obviously, I, I, something tells me this is, you know, this is not going to be a massive story, but it's probably going to be something we'll hear about again. I'm, I'm sure it'll happen again in some way. So we'll just keep an eye on it and see over the next couple of days if it dies down or not. Um, but it's just it was a weird little thing I heard, and I was like, you know what, I I, I got to bring this up just to see if, you know, if you guys are thinking the same way I am. Obviously, we're on different wavelengths, but that's why we do this show, because we don't all agree on everything. Uh Something I know we're probably not going to agree on is I want to talk about the preseason game. Lions just wrapped up a preseason game, going into another one, and I just kind of want to get your guys' feel uh, how you thought it went in Houston for these guys. Uh, my personal opinion, it was better, but anything they did was probably going to be better than the previous preseason game to that. So it was a little nicer. Uh, nice breaking news. Lions signed Snacks Harrison to a one-year extension. Uh Adding on, he gets $11 million in, I think it's 2021. So uh, we'll, we'll touch on that here in a few minutes. But, Jay, you go back, you look at it. Obviously, that first preseason game, really rough to watch. Nothing really good to talk about. But mm-hmm. as you look at the second preseason game, a little bit more, maybe not everything we would have wanted. But when you take a look at it, is there anything you could take away from this going into week three when it's going to be the – about as close as we're going to see to a regular season game and say, okay, I got some confidence. Uh, I mean, limited, but I mean, like on, on the bad side of the takeaways, uh, we got behind in the first quarter. We didn't score on the offensive side of the ball to the third quarter. And the only scores we got offensively came from the running backs. So, wow, no passing, no action there. Um, I just, again, it, it, it's, a sh- it's a showing of our depth and the lack thereof it. Um, defensively, what I wanted to see, which we talked about last week, um, I wanted more action from the middle linebackers, but in total as defense, they got one sack and four tackles for a loss, which that's not going to cut it either. So I get that it's limited. I get that this isn't like the recipe behind the the meal, but it's also showing that our our depth is paper thin, but also if there's this new way of handling the preseason where you basically don't, and everyone's kind of just sitting back and waiting for the actual year to start. So I have mixed feelings on it, but I hope we get some kind of better positive traction uh, for week or preseason week three. Okay. And as a quick follow-up question, because I know it's been the headline of headlines over the last, you know, couple days, uh, is the fact that we have not seen a single solitary second of Matthew Stafford concerning you at all, Jay? Not really, because it doesn't him televised in a preseason game doesn't get us a better win in the first game of the actual season. So the fact that we haven't seen him, it doesn't bother me. The dude's put in his time. He's he is what he is, and he'll show up to week one against Arizona, and we'll know what to get from him. So okay. it, I don't I don't lose any sleep over it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Ross, I mean, there's plenty to cover, so I'll, I'll kind of just turn the microphone over to you and let you go. But uh, my first thing for you is obviously lack of appearances by Stafford concerning it all. But two, as you look at it, I mean, does Tom, does Tom Savage have a job on this team right now? I mean, is this kind of Josh Johnson's backup role to take and Savage has to really, really show up in these next two preseason games with the time he gets? 
Bogdanovich has to get healthy first, and then, yeah, he's really got to show up because this is an open competition. Did uh, did Johnson come out there and look like a guy who's been on the team for exactly a week? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hitting Tommy Lee Lewis in the ass on the crossing route? Mm. Not a good look. Nope. Looks like he's new here. Um, but, hey, Fails looked better, too. I'm not ready to anoint him the number two after that putrid showing in week one. And this week was against some lesser talent. But it's not like Savage, before he got almost murdered, showed us anything either. So, yeah, we're screwed if Stafford gets hurt. But who knows which of those three it's going to be. It's very, very open. And I think probably the fourth week of the preseason is when we'll see that decided. So that one will be really interesting. Uh, But going back to your first one, not seeing Stafford was actually one of my keys to the game last week. (laughs) See as little Stafford as possible. Uh, they showed him on the TV, on the bench, like patting guys' asses a couple times, and that was too much for me. <laughs> I don't I don't need to see him. There are 12 starting quarterbacks in the league right now that have thrown zero passes in the preseason. It's one of them. Josh Allen has the most with 22 passes. Like it, So even that, not a lot. Right. Get to the regular season. Like I said, if he gets hurt, we're screwed. Don't let him get hurt in meaningless games like this. He's been in the league long enough. He's getting his reps and practices. I'm not that all concerned when there's an offensive line that's still figuring itself out trying to protect him. Okay, that's fair. On the on the other side of the ball, I did see some promising things, though. The, the young safeties are looking good. Tracy Walker looks good in run support. Uh, Andrew Adams is going to be boom and bust, and maybe in a year or two he's a player. And uh, Jalen Reeves-Maben, can we see him with the ones? Because dude's everywhere out there. Yeah, it'll be nice. You're not going to point out Will Harris? Guy guy comes What's up that? with a, guy Will Harris, guy comes up with an INT yeah. and, or a fumble recovery, takes it back. I mean, that well, that Will that's Harris, pretty... I'm penciling in for a starting job already. Yeah, it's probably so I, I, I don't ha- I don't have to praise I don't have to sing his praises too much. I'm already impressed with the guy. Yeah. All right, I I'm right there with you. He's he's a player I think we're going to be saying his name quite a bit. Um my only defense for Josh Johnson you try going out there after a week of practice, and you got thirteen other playbooks in your head from the last eight oh, it's years. Tough. This dude yeah. is this dude. I wouldn't be surprised if this dude is calling plays from two thousand and eight Washington Redskins, because uh, this it, it's got to be rough for this guy. He's got to learn a new playbook every every six months. Um, yeah, I, I I'm with you guys. Uh, I do think as of now, just because of <clears throat> what we saw. In week one, and obviously it was nothing special, I think this is Josh Johnson's backup role to lose because even if Savage comes back, he had a poor showing when he was playing, and assuming, I, I got to assume he's not going to go 15 for 15 for 300 yards and six touchdowns in a, in his final preseason game. So uh, I, I got to think that if Josh Johnson can go out there in whatever time he gets uh, tomorrow and then however much time he gets in uh the fourth game, I got to think that Josh Johnson's the backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions come week one. Um, but like both of you said, that means nothing because if Matt Stafford goes down, this season's pretty much over. Um, yep. I asked a question of you, and I'll answer it myself. I'm a little, little concerned, not monumentally concerned. Uh, I would have liked to have at least seen a series or two of Matt Stafford in this game against Houston when they had their. Uh, when they had their defense out there, I would have liked to have just seen a series or two, even if it even if it wasn't the best football. I at least would have gotten to see Matt Stafford 
throw a ball, get, get a little bit going with some of the, you know, newer guys, you know, see him try to connect with Hawkinson, see him try to connect with, you know, uh, some some new players and some this new offense. Um, but for as we transition to this next game, uh, I, I he, we have to see at least a, a quarter, if not a half of Matt Stafford. I, I know he's been a starter for a while now. I know it's, you know, this is pretty much a formality, but, you know, there's a reason you warm up before you play a sport. There's a reason you have training camps and practices because it's very rare that someone can take six months off, step onto a football field, and execute their role to perfection without at least a little bit of practice for it. So I know it's preseason. I know it means next to nothing other than us figuring out who the no-names are that are going to make this roster or get cut. But I need a little bit of Stafford. I need to at least see that this offense isn't, you know, foreign to him, that you, we can count on him to make plays when we need plays, get in one of those third and longs. Let's see if this this offensive coordinator knows how to dial something up that Stafford can execute. Uh, and then you can go back to, to Savage, to, to Fails, to Johnson for the next game and a half. And that's fine. I'll, I'll watch all of that too. But I need to make sure that the one guy that this season's pretty much hinged on isn't going to come out there and look like he's never played the game of football again because or, or at all because that would make it very, very, very concerning for me going into this season. I know we've been texting back and forth, ooh, you know, Kyler didn't look great. First week looks like it might be okay. Doesn't look like Melvin Gordon's going to sign a deal. Ooh, that's good. It looks like Ezekiel Elliott's going to kill Jerry Jones because they hate each other right now. Ooh, this season's looking like some of these games might be okay. But Ziku? yeah, what? I said Ziku. Yeah, the Ziku. joke that Jerry Jones made. Yeah, Ziku. No, they don't like each other right now. No. So uh, I'm just saying it's looking like, and I don't think the fact that you gave a linebacker an extension before you gave your star yeah. running back an extension does you any favor. That's a bad luck. Yeah. Get so some of these games are looking like, ooh, this might not be as terrible. But the problem is. Number nine has to be executing for that to even be remotely possible. Love carry on to death. What's that? What are you going to do if they don't play him at all on Friday? If they don't play Stafford tomorrow at all, uh, I think, to be fair, if they don't play him at all, one of two questions has to be asked. How hurt is Matt Stafford really? Because, you know, he, he he broke his back at the end of last year, played through it, caused him a lot of pain. How hurt is he really? Are we looking at... A guy who might like are we are they kind of hiding how how messed up he really was, and all that kind of like with the whole Andrew Luck all of a sudden his injuries worse than we thought it was, uh, kind of thing. So that would be my first question. Second one would be, how much pain meds are they giving Matt Patricia for whatever is wrong with him, because he's clearly high as a kite if he's not <laughs> starting his franchise quarterback in a preseason game where you're installing a new offense, Stafford's, what, fourth offense since he's been in the NFL? Third or fourth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've got new receivers. You've got a, a, apparently a can't-miss tight end. You just signed a backup running back in C.J. Anderson who's coming off a good year. You need to make sure that – and you also, to be fair, we haven't talked about him a lot just because I don't think any of us were wildly impressed with him over the last couple of years. But – you did take away Stafford's check down in Theo Riddick. He's not there anymore. So you need to make sure that Carrion and CJ and Danny and all these guys 
can get on the same page with Stafford before we have to go do this in Arizona week one. You need to make sure that he at least has it. I don't, like I said, I don't care if he goes, you know, three for 10 for like 65 yards. As long as you see him make some throws that give you the confidence that it'll be there and you see him make some decisions like that that we like. I, like the stats don't mean anything to me because at the end of the day, the game doesn't mean anything. But I want to see him at least show that he understands the offense and can do it. And I, to be fair, you can't do that not seeing it at all. We can't rely on the fact that week one against the Arizona Cardinals is going to be when we're going to see Matt Stafford for the first time in a brand new offense. That's just how so I feel let me, So let me ask you this then. Yep. Uh, you had mentioned a offensive coordinator figuring out third and, third and longs and converting. Went one for 11 last week. Yep. Is that the key thing that you're looking for out of Stafford in the preseason? And if not, like, what is understanding the offense? What's that going to look like for those of us at home? Um, the 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 third down conversion. I say more for the fact that while we, the the organization is itself, and even us, because we've all been very high on Carry On Johnson. Uh, this is an offense where they are going to want to run the football. They're going to want to mm-hmm. run the football as often as possible, but. To be fair, even the most successful offenses in the world or in the NFL, they have to be in third and long situations. The run game just isn't firing right away. And you get stuck in these third and eight, third and nine things. I And in history, whether it's the offensive coordinator, whether it's Matt Stafford, you just don't know. The Lions have not been very fantastic in those situations. A lot of screens, a lot of running back dumps that only get you two of the two of the eight yards back. I want to see Stafford, now that he's got Kenny Galladay, he's got Marvin Jones, he's got Hawkinson, who's going to be great, and Jesse James. He's got good running backs in the backfield, and he's got Danny Amendola, who's been a a checkoff for Tom Brady, for all these great players. I want to see him line up with a play where the intention isn't, let's get a couple, give the punter a little more space. I want to see a play where it's, let's get this first down, Let's keep this drive going. Let's show that we're not a run-only team. We can still throw the ball, and we can still execute effectively, and I want it to be a smart play. I don't want to see some Stafford having to zig and zag. But understanding of the playbook under, or of the, of the offense for me is just – it's almost that and then a, like a little little bit of kind of contradicting what I just said. It's him making the right reads, not feeling rushed, going through everything, understanding the play, and knowing when it's going to work and when it's not. But at the same time, it's him knowing just that, when it's not going to work. It's him not being afraid to look around. No one's there. Don't make time with my feet. Chuck this ball out of bounds. We'll live with the fact that we're it's second and 10 and we didn't get anything out of it. It's it's the, the fact that Stafford doesn't look too rattled out there because there have been times with Jim Bob Cooter's offense where Stafford would you'd see him snap that ball and he'd be looking somewhere where there wasn't anybody because either the receiver ran the wrong route or Stafford wasn't 200% sure on what the play was. I want to see a confidence on the play. Guys are going to drop balls. Stafford can't be expected when he hasn't played a single down to throw dimes every single time. Players are going to miss blocks. It's football. If it was a perfect play every time, teams would score every time. So I want to see Stafford with a full understanding of this offense, knowing what he needs to do, and... Listen, you're in year 10, year 9, year 10 of your of your career. This is when you can no longer blame it on anyone else. You're the franchise quarterback. You're the guy we've sunk all this money into. You're going to be our guy. Go out there. You've got pieces 
galore around you, and you finally have a defense that actually looks formidable. Go out there, start winning games, and can no longer be the, on, on anyone but Matt Stafford to go out there and start executing. Do you want that? You want that free? You want that free sample before you dive into that soft serve? You want a little taste? Well, but I, I to be fair, I think anybody wants that. I mean, do you, Russ? We're, we're Michigan fans. If we found out McCaffrey was a starting quarterback, are you telling me that in these like in these spring games, if, if McCaffrey had been the quarterback all, all summer in these spring games or in this early Middle Tennessee game, are you telling me that you don't want to see them just open the hell out of that playbook and make sure McCaffrey can do every single thing possible before we get to games like Wisconsin and Michigan State? and Penn State, and Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Or the same with you, Jay. Are you telling me you don't want to see D'Antonio open up that playbook for Lewerke and make sure that while you've got these easy, should-be-good tune-up games, that these guys have everything completely solidified before we start having to play games where you can't can't doubt anything. You, like These are games where every play, every every possession has to lead to field goals or touchdowns or turnovers, like a defensive turnover. That's not exactly a fair comparison, though, because, hey, if if Michigan tries something bold and, and screws up against Middle Tennessee State, the season's over. Right? If they lose that game, blow it up. Oh no, 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 no. I don't I don't mean lost. I don't mean open the playbook for the whole game. I mean early on, don't like open it up, see what you see what you have, like start like work through it. Because we we all know Middle Tennessee, uh Western Michigan for you guys, Jay, those games these games should end up being the, the backups running the ball for the entire fourth quarter. That's that's what it should be. Should be. Well, that's should all the state does no matter what quarter it is against early opponents. So. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> all we do is run. It, I, the, 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 that's, my, that's the best comparison I can give because like this is the only sport where that one position is so hinging. You can't really say, hey, let's get the Red Wings out there and let's open up the offense and see what they can do because other than a very small handful of people, i.e. probably you two, I couldn't tell you what frickin' play the Red Wings are running. I couldn't tell you if hockey actually has plays. But it's I, I this that's what I'm saying. Like you you can see hockey players play and you can see the how they all work together, what what lines are going to mesh well and all that. With football, it's there there has to be a f- complete understanding by all 11 of the offense or something's going to go wrong. A block is going to get missed. A receiver's going to run a wrong route, which is going to lead to a corner or a linebacker picking the ball off a running back's not going to take the fake none of the defense is going to bite on the fake and they're going to know you're throwing and everybody's going to drop back right no it's so that's why i'm saying the michigan the michigan michigan state comparison because i've i've seen stafford for almost a decade now yeah stuff i i'm not as worried and it's not like he's not practicing that every day it's not like they didn't just go through training camp can i ask you a question though what? You've been watching. We've been watching Stafford for a decade. Have you ever seen Matt Stafford not play a preseason game when it's a new offense? Because the answer is I, no. I, yeah, I can't tell you without knowing. The answer is no to that. Matt Stafford has never not played in at least one preseason game in his career. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. <clears throat> it, it's not. And the, I don't not, think he's gone into it with a broken back either. No, and but that's what I'm saying. But according to everyone, like in that organization. Matt Stafford's ready to play football. So if, if that's the case, that's great. Get him to play football. If This can't be like our, our version of the Todd Gurley situation where we're hearing one thing 
In reality, it's something else. Because if Stafford's not ready to play football, this team is doing something very bad, and they need to start addressing the fact that we don't have our starting quarterback for for week one. So it's not so much that I need to see Stafford play, because I know Stafford can make all the throws. We've seen the guy make all the throws in the book. We've seen him do everything he needs to do. I want to see that Stafford is good with this offense. The talent part's not not changing. He's still got an arm. He's still got the ability he's always had. But I want to make sure that he understands the offense because we need, like, Matt Stafford from a couple years ago when we had a good record, not Matt Stafford from his rookie year when he threw twice as many interceptions as he did touchdowns. You know what I mean? Uh, and I don't think a quarter or a half in a preseason game with vanilla game plans from the offense and the defense is really going to prove that. Yeah, but it's We're the really closest thing you can get to three. starters. It is the closest thing, but we're not going to actually know how well he's got his offense down until like week three or four. Okay. I I mean, I mean it's a it's a matter of perspective. Like that's what this is. This is a, a yeah. us both giving an opinion. I can't. I, I you know you're you're you have your opinion. I have mine. I see this more as I need to see at least a little bit. I I understand that they're watered down offenses. You're not going to open up the full playbook. Same with the defense, but it's the most time you're going to see the starting defense mm-hmm. against the starting offense that it gives you the best best sample of what this season's going to look like, as close as it can be to an actual NFL football game. And we all know it's it's nowhere near, but it's at least closer than watching, you know, Nick Fales go up against the third string. Uh, off our defense for the New England Patriots and get totally bombed because to be fair, very few of those guys are going to step on the field for either team this year. Very few yeah. of those guys are going to make the team for either one of those. So it's yeah, just no, that. I, I think it'd be great if hey Friday he comes out the first the first drive, it's three plays long and it includes a fifty yard bomb for a touchdown. He winks at the cameras and walks off. We all get warm and fuzzy. That'd be hmm. great. No, I, I, I'm just I'm just not going to be upset when he goes seven for 10 for 70 yards right like, and, but I'm totally fine to with that yeah I'm totally fine with that and like I said I, I don't need a like I, like because they're always saying like oh these guys will play deep into like the the third quarter I don't even need that let Stafford be done at halftime let him take yeah, the pads off at halftime but even if he just plays like the first half or the first quarter and like a, a series or two of the second like I said as long as like you we can watch Stafford and see he doesn't look rushed he doesn't look out of his element that he like he knows where he's supposed to go with the ball and the offense is executing all, all together because by now you're you're at least uh, they hired him 6 months ago or so you're at least 6 months into knowing what this offense is going to look like so everybody should be pretty comfortable with it or as comfortable as you can be learning a new offense so i just want to see that execution so that i know okay we're all right this defense, no one's really gotten a good look at it because we can't get all the pieces on the field at the same time. So, and that obviously could be a week one thing that we're going to see that D, like you know, that Detroit demolition D line get on the field together, and that's fine. I, I can live with that just because of you know, I, I'm more concerned. Like we've all said, if that D line where we're used to not having good D lines and we still could win some football games. We don't win any games if our starting quarterback's not good to go. So I just. That, to me, is the number one need to see is, is Matt Stafford okay, ready to go, or do we need to accept the fact that Arizona and the weeks to follow, or a couple weeks to follow, are going to be 
Josh Johnson or Tom Savage. Okay. So we'll see. Um, I'd say let's talk about week three, but I think we kind of touched as much yeah, into week three we as we're going to. talked about the biggest um, talking point. Uh, I guess real quick, I, I, I've given mine. Mine is I want to see number nine on the field for at least a little bit. Jay, you know, Russ and I have been going back and forth for a minute here, so I'll, I'll let you go first here. Is there one thing you need to see the most from this team? Is it seeing that D-line fully assembled? Is it seeing the you know receivers or the O-line execute perfectly? I, I want them to whip out the D completely in the first quarter of the game and then bring it back <laughs> on in and then just I, I want to get a taste. I want to get a taste of that D fully out there in the first quarter ready to roll. And after that, I'll, I'll wait till Arizona. Dude, you, you are so I say you are so lucky <laughs> that we have an explicit box on this show because I I uh, um D hell? is abbreviated for defense. It is a, it's, oh, yeah. it's a it's a group of team <laughs> on the field. You see how they how they work in the box there? If they really stack that box with an eight man front. No, you got to you got to overload the box at all times. Oh man. This is where I put in that edit point and re-ask the question. I was, no, um, I, was putting, I was bringing some levity. No, I understand. So, it, but really, you want to see the defense? I do. I really, okay. I, in all all D jokes aside, yeah. I do. Okay, I'm, I'm more watching that part of the game uh, in the first quarter. Okay, Russ, is there any other facet of the game that you need to see a little more of to find, feel like you have the full picture going into Week One? Yeah, kind of similar to Justin. It's the defense for me. Uh, mentioned earlier, Josh Allen's thrown the most passes out of any starting quarterback so far in the preseason. Yep. So you know they're going to use him a lot. And the Lions have historically struggled against rushing QBs like Josh Allen. So I'm very interested in how that matchup goes. The ones and the twos are likely going to get a good amount of reps against him. And I want to see that they can do better than they did against Deshaun Watson, who He's in a whole different caliber of quarterback than Josh Allen, but mm-hmm. he just was out there doing whatever the hell he wanted. Yep. Scheme for him a little bit. This this is a great scheme test. Hey, Patricia, show me that you can handle something that we haven't handled well in the past. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Okay. I, I, I mean, I agree with both of you. The defense, as much as I, you know, I, I spent the last 20 minutes uh, bolstering on Stafford, <laughs> This defense is a like a very you know very important part of this because uh, we said it a couple shows ago. I asked that question of I don't think I can recall a time that we've had more talent on one side of the ball than we have right now on this defense. And mm-hmm. Russ, you you said you had him penciled in as a starter. Uh, I, I, to be honest, two weeks ago I didn't have Will Harris even seeing a lot of field time this year. But after watching him the last couple weeks. Obviously, that highlight play is a highlight play. You know, you got to take that as much as you can, but you got to also look at all the other plays. Can't just be one highlight play. But he is a guy that I think starter week one, eh, but contributor week one, absolutely. Contributor to this uh, defense week one, absolutely. And that's something that I don't think if we had said after the draft that a rookie is going to be a massive contributor to this defense week one. I don't know that he would have been the name I would have picked. I think I would have probably looked more at like Austin Bryant than I would have looked at uh, him. But well, let me let me preface that with I I do mean it in more than nickel look where they use three safeties. Yes. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I, understand. I, I I should have been a little more clear with that. I understand what you're saying. He's not going to be the starting free or strong safety 
Right. Yeah, he, I, I think he'll be out there a lot. Yeah, and I week one. and I agree. But when you add him into the names that we have on this defensive line, these linebackers, and these corner and the secondary, that that's something that I, I think says a lot about how good this guy is. Because, I mean, do we have the best secondary in the league? No, not by far. Well, we maybe would struggle to say we have a top fifteen linebacking core, and that's being generous. That's very. Yeah, but. I don't think anyone here, I don't think anyone on this show is going to argue with me when I say we have a top three to five defensive line. So, it should be. Yeah, should we be. had that conversation a couple weeks ago, we did. right? Yeah, we, I, I, yep. we probably have a top, I would say top three is ambitious but justifiable. Top five shouldn't even be questioned. So when you tack all that together, for this guy to be cracking this defense week one potentially, uh, is is astounding, and I, I like that, and I want to see more of this guy. I like you said, Russ, with uh, Jalen Reeves Maven. I want to see give Will Harris some f- first team snaps with these starters, whatever starters you you can afford to play, and let's see how this guy does. Let's see if he holds his own because if he holds his own in some spots, I feel like you're, you you can breathe a sigh of relief that we have an extra secondary player that's going to be able to contribute for us. So. I'm 100% with you guys on the defense. My only other thing that I would like to see a little more execution from is I, I need to see this this offensive line, however you sub them in, however you do them, for that first quarter, whether it is Stafford or not, I need to see this offensive line execute blocking and make sure that you open up some holes for these runners so that we can at least see that we have some semblance of a running game going into week one because I do not want us to go into week one and start trying to execute our game plan, and before you know it, we have negative ten rushing yards, and Stafford's got to go back to the Texas Tech offense just to keep us in it. So I need to see this offensive line execute the run blocking so that we know we have some kind of running game because Arizona's got some good players, but I wouldn't stack them as a very, very elite defense, so we should be able to run on these guys if our offensive line is able to do that. That would be my only extra thing outside of Stafford. So we'll see yeah. what comes of it. And um, no sacks, please. Yeah, no sacks. No Just sacks. Just once. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, those games or the, the games that matter are still a couple weeks away. But so we don't have to really worry about the NFL. But the games that do matter for college football are starting up very, very soon. We're very excited. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we went through Michigan, Michigan State's records last week. Everybody's expecting it to be a pretty fun year for both teams. So we'll, we'll worry about that along the way. Unfortunately, the conversation we're about to have, I don't know that we'll be able to mention either of our teams. I would love to be able to mention one of our teams, but I don't think we'll be able to. Uh, Russ, the conversation we're about to have is I want you to tell me who's winning the national championship this year. And I'll, I'm going to preface this a different way. I was just going to bluntly ask who's going to win the Heisman, but I guess I'm going to ask it. Can uh, Lincoln Riley create three Heisman winning quarterbacks <laughs> in a row? Can he? Sure. Will, <laughs> Will he? he? God, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. He, he's got to. Com- he's got to compete with the guy that oh kicked him out of town. Yeah. Might be a tough ask. Okay. Okay. So I guess I'll ask you, who's winning the national title this year, and who is your pick to win the Heisman this year? So I I tried to get an answer for each of these individually, and I couldn't do it. Ooh. Because I I think one is going to be the reason for the other. Um, I could hmm. be a little a bold, but I'm, I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to say Bama, and I'm going to say Tua. 
Alabama into a. Wah, wah. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> Chalk, boring. I get it. Also, little fun thing there. In the last ten years, only one player has finished in the top ten of Heisman voting the year before they won. Baker Mayfield, and he did it twice. So Tua coming in second last year doesn't really mean all that much. Yeah. But he's, he's hmm. got Trevor Lawrence to compete with. He's got Jalen Hurts, obviously. I mean, eight of the last ten Heisman were quarterback. Figure it out. It's going to be a quarterback. So that's really who I'm looking at. But look at look at the uh, efficient quarterbacks last year. More than 30 passing touchdowns. More than 3,000 yards with less than 400 attempts. Kyler Tua, Tua Trevor Lawrence, Will Greer. So, so hey, Tua, Trevor Lawrence. That we're, that's who we're looking at. And then you look at their average and rate stats, and Tua, which surprised me, actually did a little bit better there. So now he gets his first full year alone. It's just the Tua show. There's no Jalen Hurts. Oh, if you slip up, he might be there. Right? It's dedicated. This could be his best year yet, and I think that's what's going to tip him over. Seven of the last eight participants in the college football championship have either been Alabama or Clemson. Boringly, I'll take Alabama again. Okay. Well, well. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> Justin, who's your natty and who's winning the Heisman? So I'll, I'll do you one better. Uh, the college football playoffs going to be Bama, Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame. And Georgia will be your national champions this year. Wow. Okay. Um, for, no, for no other reason that I don't want to see Bama or Clemson. And okay. Georgia's the next – they're, they're the, you know, the – the third best team. They're the ones getting these five-star recruits up there. So, I mean, it's not to the likes of Bama and Clemson, but I, I need, I need variety in my life, damn it. And Georgia has been the only team that's been on the cusp of doing that with a couple games against Bama. So uh, Georgia will do it. My Heisman. Yeah. I'm repeating what I did last year. Cause I still have hope that it hits. And that's Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. There we go. Last year, he finished ninth in the voting for the Heisman. He only got one first, one second. And I think like, nine third place votes but if if wisconsin's going to be what i always hear like two years in a row i'm being sold that wisconsin's this powerhouse they're going to run down your throats they got to figure out their quarterback their defense is amazing their line is amazing i'm seeing stuff like that i was sold on it last year it didn't obviously work out because of hornybrook but i'm i'm all in on jonathan taylor uh, this year year over year he's increased his touchdowns and his yards uh, from 17 to 18 and 18 now. So I'm I'm hoping that that continues in that way, and he might be in the discussion uh, later this year. Jonathan Taylor touchdown. I like it. Right. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. Uh, I like it. It's uh, interesting picks by Jay, as usual, because, you know, Justin's got it. Justin marches to the beat of his own drum. We all know that. So I like it, Jay. Um, it's a tambourine, but okay. Yeah, sorry, that's my fault. <laughs> Get it right. Figure it out, damn it. Uh, upgraded from the cowbell. That's all that matters, my friend. Upgraded from the cowbell. Um, I agree with your picks for who's going to be in the national championship. Two out of the th- or three out of the four. I don't think Notre Dame is going to be in the national championship uh, picture, but I-, I will agree. Clemson, Bama, Georgia, those are all probably going to be there because they've been there the last couple. Um, unfortunately, I think we're reaching the point where this is going to be like the Golden State Cleveland thing. We're going to see the same two teams for a couple years in a row. I think it is going to be Clemson, probably Clemson, Alabama, in the national championship again. Uh, Dabo's going to dab on Saban again, though, because he's going to win another national championship this year. Uh, he lost some talent, but let's be honest, they he, they're 
Alabama and Clemson are basically the same team, different jerseys. They've just stockpiled a lot of talent. Um, interesting, though, the guy that's going to take him there, Trevor Lawrence, I actually don't have as the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, I'm picking a guy that I know Russ and I have talked about a bit, and this is me tipping my hand to next year's top uh, players in the draft. This is, my opinion, the best quarterback in the draft next year. I am going with Georgia's Jake Fromm to win the Heisman this year. He he hasn't had the great he didn't have the greatest of years last year, but I, when I watch this guy play, I see that this guy is just that good. He's a heck of a player. He is gritty as all hell. He'll do anything to get the plays done. And I just think Jake Fromm, he's going to be in my opinion, he's going to be the best quarterback available in next year's draft. He should be the number 1 quarterback taken in the draft. But I just think Jake Fromm gonna win the Heisman. Russ, I know I've talked to you about him. I know we're both, you know, we both mm-hmm. like him. We like him. Um, and I just think Clemson national championship, Jake Fromm Heisman. Uh, was which he is, your pick last year too? Because I think he was mine. Uh, I I want to say I took him. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking about that now. Uh, actually, no, that's the, you. You and I switched. I took Tua last year. I did. I took. Well, you were closer to being right. Yeah, I took Tua last year, and uh, you took Jake Fromm. That's true. Uh, I'm taking Fromm. I, I I really like watching this guy play, and he's just he's a good quarterback. I think Georgia Georgia does sit at a bit of a disadvantage. You got to go up against Bama and Clemson to win this thing, and those are two teams that I, I genuinely think you could put them against some of the worst. NFL teams, and they would be able to hold their own for quite a while. Whether they'd win or not, eh, I don't know. But I think they'd definitely be able to hold their own for a little bit. And not that Georgia's a bad football team, but I just think you're you're playing against a team that's got a little bit more of a stacked deck than you do. So it's going to be all on Jake Fromm, especially now that uh, I, I'm blanking on his first names, but Fields, who transferred to Ohio State, is not he's not there anymore. Justin, Justin Fields, thank you. Uh I just think it's all on Jake Fromm now. He's their quarterback. They don't have a, a recruit behind him to that that's waiting in the wing. Like this is him, and I think he's going to show up this year. I think you're going to see a Heisman Trophy uh, performance out of him. Jake Fromm for the Heisman, man. That's my pick. We'll damn. see what happens. With I damn. I'd happens. be happy if nothing else. That means it's not Alabama or Clemson. <laughs> yeah. I thought real hard about the... not... what's that, Jay. I think this needs to be the motto of the year. If we don't want Bama and Clemson, and then it's got to be from Georgia with love. Yeah, from Georgia with love. From Georgia with love, um, beautiful bastard. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried really hard not to have it be Clemson or Bama win the title, but it's just, listen, all roads go through those two teams. So mm-hmm. whoever beats them, you, you've earned my respect as the best team in the country. But until one of you can dethrone these guys, it's Clemson or Georgia. And I hope I'm proven wrong. I really hope I'm proven wrong. I hope someone comes in, torches them. Uh, you know, obviously, <clears throat> no one mentioned Jalen Hurts, and it's not an offense to him. He's a great football player. It's just he doesn't necessarily have the same skill set that Kyler or Baker had. They they were both mobile like Jalen, but they both had big arms. Big arms. Accurate arms. And accurate arms, Yes. He is more known as that speedster kind of option guy. He can still throw the ball, but no one's expecting him to break out of the pocket, rear back, and chuck a 75-yard bomb downfield. Whether he can do it or not, I don't know, but I just don't think that was ever something he had to do. So I think he is already 
at a disadvantage. He's going to have to work twice as hard to try to get there. If he does it, he does it, and that's great. But I just think he, if you're going to start building your Heisman list, I think you got to get past Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Jake Fromm, Justin. Uh, I think Taylor's right there too. I just think there are too many people to have to leapfrog in a 12-game season to do it because you know all of them are going to put their numbers up. So it's just it, it's almost you're starting a little too low to have a fighting chance to do it. If Tua wasn't here anymore or if so-and-so you know, wasn't, you know, if Trevor Lawrence maybe didn't have the year he had last year, I think that Jalen Hurts is right there in the conversation, but he's just a little too far down the list to get high enough. They would have to be the best offense in the country. He'd have to have almost a three or four touchdown to interception ratio, which I think would be a little tough for him, and he'd have to prove he's more than just a running quarterback. So we'll see what happens. I, I, so if I, one uh, one follow up question. Yeah. If Notre Dame's not getting in, I'm assuming you're going Oklahoma as the fourth team. Um, mm-hmm. Either Oklahoma. I think he's contractually obligated by his wedding ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, dude, look at the national championships the last couple of years. Oklahoma's been right there every time in the conversation. Uh, yeah, I probably would have to say Oklahoma. I mean, obviously. The mitten man in me wants to say Michigan, but I think, to be fair, it's also going to depend on the year they have. We we, oh god, this hurts to say. I don't want to say it. We could see Ohio State in the conversation. Unfortunately, Ooh, yeah, I know. I didn't want to say off it. Your own mic. Yeah, turn off my own mic. Edit it out. <laughs> uh, we could see Ohio State in the conversation, depending on the season they have. If they have a good enough year, we we've seen it before where Michigan and Ohio State are neck and neck going into the end of it. But for some odd reason, Ohio State stays in the poll longer and is more is chosen more often than Michigan. And I just think, listen, Michigan could go in there and win this game handedly, or they could win it by a few. You're still going to get those people that say, well, if you look at Ohio State, they, they're just the better team. They have to do it, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, yeah, safe pick Oklahoma. Let's just put it that way. Safe pick Oklahoma. Um, just curious. Yeah, should be interesting. Uh, <clears throat> listen, Notre Dame could do it. They really could. I, I'm not saying they can't. Yeah, they but, have an easy schedule. But too. I also have them losing to Michigan. I think it's going to be very hard for them to make it to a national championship, even if they have a one-loss record against a team that Russ and I both picked to have two losses. You know what I mean? Like It's just going to be a little tough for them to to do that. If Michigan goes out and has a 10-2 record and Notre Dame finishes 11-1 and and your only loss is to a team that has a worse record than you, it's, it's. I think it's going to be a little tough. That's that's all I'm saying. They could do it. They really could. Uh, but I also cannot stand Notre Dame, and I, I cannot stand their coach. I think that dude's going to have an aneurysm on the sideline one day from just screaming at people. So <clears throat> we'll see. Um, all right, next topic. Uh, <clears throat> and this is going to segue into a little something that I think could open Pandora's box for us. So I'm a little, little scared. But, Russ, we're going to talk about golf. I know how much you love it. It's your favorite sport in the world. Uh, we're going to talk about the fact that the FedEx Cup has finally reached its finals. They're they're playing as we speak. They've probably finished their first round. Um, the thing is, in the past years, the FedEx Cup was points you by where you finished in tournaments, you accumulated a certain amount of points, and at the end of the year, you had the leaders, and then whoever made it, I believe the first one's the top one hundred. And after the week, whoever had the most points of the top 75 and then 50 and then 25. 
uh, and you'd advance through that. They'd play four tournaments. You'd have to get to a certain amount of points to, to qualify. Well, it used to just be, and this was kind of weird, you didn't have to win the final tournament to win the final to win the uh, the FedEx Cup. Like last year, Tiger Woods won at Eastlake. That he won the tournament, but Justin Rose won the FedEx Cup because he had enough points that even with Tiger's victory, Tiger couldn't get enough points to jump past Justin Rose. It appears that the FedEx Cup doesn't like that very much, so they've decided that instead, whoever's got the most FedEx Cup points at the start of the tournament, we're going to give you a 10-under start. You're going to start 10-under par, and then second place is 8-under, and so on and so forth, down to like the last... I believe it's like the last 10 people started just flat out even par. So you have a 10-stroke lead over some part of the field and a two-stroke lead over the person behind you. And that's how we're going to decide it, partly because I think they're just sick of the FedEx Cup and the tournament at Eastlake going to two separate people. So from a outsider's perspective, because I was joking, I know everybody picked up on that, Russ doesn't follow golf at all. I think if you handed what? him a driver, he wouldn't know what to do. If but, I, you handed me a driver, I would put it in gear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Russ, I want to ask you, because this is the best analogy or comparison I could come up with. The best comparison I could come up with is, oh, Golden State, you had a really good year this year. We're going to make it a 2-0 series starting. You automatically win two games. That, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Why are you giving someone a lead in a sport that's supposed to be as equal as it can be, you all have to do the same thing. Well, the way I took it was a little closer to racing, actually, where you get position based on how uh, you've done okay. either in your training laps leading up to it. That's not the right word for it, but I'm blanking on what it is. Um, or how you've done leading up to it. And NASCAR does their playoffs very similar, where you accumulate points, and based on that, when you get to the playoff, you get a better starting position. Okay. I think this is really the closest you can get to a playoff setting for golf because otherwise you're not really rewarding regular season success at all other than, hey, you're in, good luck. Hockey, football, you know, any of the others, you get into the playoffs, you've done really good in the regular season, you get to go against a lesser opponent. You don't get that in golf, right? You're all facing the exact same opponent, which is that, that course throughout the weekend. Yeah. So this gives a bit of an advantage to the people that have done well through the rest of the season. Now, I, I kind of like that because, hey, it lengthens your your sample size for determining, quote-unquote, who's the best. Um, plus, hey, Dustin Johnson supports it, and I support a support of Johnson. <laughs> and he makes a good point. <laughs> he makes a good point that it, it's much simpler to follow because at the end, like you said, you're going to have one winner for both. Yeah, And there's no calculations. There's no, well, all right, if he shoots two under, but then this other guy shoots five under, um, then this player's got to shoot six under to win. No, it's like you settle all up, you pony up to the table, whoever's got the best score at the end, you win it all. Um, it's a hell of a lot easier to follow for someone who doesn't follow it, I'll tell you that much. But I can yeah. see how the diehards would be a little upset that, hey, you're changing what this is. You're changing the spirit of it, possibly. Okay. Uh, my, my one, and this is my little follow-up, I wanted to let you finish your train of thought. I didn't want to jump into somewhere. But your your statement was, it, like, this is a, uh, it's a sport of, uh, that's equal, that you don't really reward 
how you did like the way the old format was didn't really reward success in the regular season of golf. But couldn't you make the argument that the fact that you don't necessarily need to acquire as many points in that final match as other people do is sort of a reward? You're already getting a little bit of a lead. You're not required to have to try to finish in the top 10. If you have enough points, you almost just need to finish in the top like 50 or like for this case, you need to finish in the top 20 and no one mathematically can catch you. Isn't that kind of a reward already? How often does that really happen that it happened, no one can mathematically catch you? They had to they had to fix it in 2008. VJ okay. Singh had enough points. I, I believe I read this right. I could be wrong. I'll go back and fact check it later. Um, VJ Singh had enough points that they didn't even need to play the last tournament. He was that dominant. He had that kind of year. Uh, because, and I don't remember how the point system works out, but like just finishing in the top 10 gives you mm-hmm. a, a shit ton of points. Like okay. Matt, Matt Kuchar, just consistently do that. You can rack yeah, it up Matt without Co- winning a lot. Yeah, Matt Kuchar won, I think, one tournament this year, and he was in the top spot for the FedEx Cup for like almost the entire year, and he only won one okay. tournament. So, oh wow. Well, so, yeah, yeah, I I get your point, and I would not like if it can mathematically eliminate you, eliminate everyone else rather, and like, hey, what's the point of this last tournament? You always want there to be a chance, but if you're gonna call it a playoff you got to take something into consideration before. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Your points, you're reset going into Eastlake, right? In the previous format? No, no, no. In, you... in the previous format, it was... It, well, that might be why they had to change it, because I, I did find what I was talking about. 2008, uh, changes were designed to help ensure that the championship would not be won until every golfer who qualified finished playing the final playoff event. This resulted from the fact that Vijay Singh had accumulated enough points through the first three playoff events in 2008 to guarantee that he would win the cup without the final event. He didn't have to play the Joke. final event. Yeah, that's that's something you never want to run into. Yeah. See, they're they're I, doing I, it all wrong, in my opinion. I don't I, like. Well, I, I, that, I get all right. So you're... then there there's the next thing, Jay. You are at least a little bit more of a golfer. We play the game. We talk about it uh, a little more often. So as someone who's I guess you could say you're the viewer. You're you're what the people are looking for because you're the one that watches the game and plays yeah. it sometime. Is this giving them a little bit of an advantage in this final week something you're with or you're not a fan of? I don't I don't like any of it to be honest with you because if if we're like they're worrying about math in all the wrong ways. This should be decided on a course. That's how any other championship is ever awarded. And I get they wanted to spread it out across a couple weekends and the courses, well, that's because they want to stretch their dollar. They want to make it FedEx this and uh, whatever hotel signed up for it and their names on it too. They, it, it's all about sponsors and dollars. And if they want it to be a bigger thing, take, take the math off of, off of the game and put it back in your head. And what makes most sense to me when you do that is make a bunch of people qualify like they do now. You got 125 people that make it in. Wow. Let them play one weekend. Put all the money into that pot and then make it make make people sweat and actually have to work. And wow, if he moves and misses this putt, he just lost seven million dollars. That's a storyline. And I I'll lean on when Phil played Tiger. That's what I was gonna say. Are you talking about more like match. Phil and Tiger where like here's all the money, whoever shoots the lowest round gets it. 
Yeah. Well, our, our generation doesn't want anything span over three different courses and a point system in math. We want easy and simple. And at least maybe that's just me. So you put it into one weekend where I know if, you know, Matt Kuchar or Justin Thomas fuck up that chip shot, they just lost millions of dollars. That's entertaining. And that's where the math should be at. It, it should make the winner win on the course and put the money back in the math and your mind and sponsorships and all that crap. Make it an afterthought. Okay, well, so here I'm watching into the weekend. Here, here. Like, so you're talking about making it more like an NFL thing. One game, here it is. You got to win. Free for all night. Free for all. But my my only yeah. point to you, my only point to you, and well, I like that. I I I, I think over the last year, because we're coming up on a year, you and I have talked about the Tiger film match quite a few times. We both really enjoyed it. But my only point to that would be that creates an unfair stack. Guys, you're saying one one really great day. You need to have one really great day. Well, that gives the advantage to guys like Brooks and Dustin and Rory, guys who have a lot more ability than, say, the guys like Furick and Kucher, who they need the four days because they're much more solid, consistent players who don't make a lot of mistakes, whereas Rory and Dustin and them, they're the ones that go for broke, and that sometimes leads to them hitting it into a into the woods or hitting it into the water or putting it in a bunker that's hard to get out of. So I, while I think it would make it a lot more electrifying for the viewers, you would see quite a few people not play in it because you're almost just handing over money. You're not even having but, a fighting ch- it, it would be like me trying to play in this event. I, I could go out and try, but there's a good chance I'm never going to win it ever, ever, ever. So I'm pretty much just handing you over my money with no chance. That would be the same as guys who are not really necessarily – Highlight players, they're guys who get their wins off of consistent, make-the-right-play the kind of person. But you know what else it would also be like? Bama yeah. and Clemson always getting top recruits and always being in the college final. Same thing for basketball when you had the same two teams, or Tom Brady being the best quarterback. Someone's got to be the best. So if Brooks Koepka is going to pocket like $60 million every single year because he's damn good and he can show up on one given weekend, I got no problem with that. It, it's it's no different than the dominant teams that go on a long run, and I just I I think if it's more entertaining and it's more palatable for a viewer than me crunching numbers and having to get a calculator out. Okay, that's that's totally fine. Uh, sounds like from the like from what we're hearing, there's other ways they should be doing this, and that we're not necessarily over the moon about how they are doing it. So that kind of leads me to the transition of here we go. I'm going to open Pandora's box. Uh, <laughs> And speaking of FedEx Cup deciding to make this change, I'll ask, dear God, this might never end. Russ, <laughs> has oh. there been any changes in sports, any sport over the last few years? Well, we'll limit it to maybe the last decade that you okay. are like that you think either helped or severely hindered that sport. Oh. So immediately what comes to mind is the bad stuff. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Some of the good stuff is, despite what Antonio Brown says, the changing in helmet regulation. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. We're yep. trying to protect your scrambled egg, you dumb dumb. Yep. <laughs> I actually, I had that, I had that in the, no, I had that in my notes as well. So, yep, I'm right there with right? you. Like removing the two line pass in hockey was also fun. Now Eric Carlson can launch a 180 foot pass for for a setup for a breakaway. Yeah. That's also fun, right? But then there's all the bad stuff. Yeah. And, oh, do we see it a lot? If I have to hear offside review one more damn time when I'm watching a hockey game, <laughs> I'm going to lose my little mind. 
Landeskog sitting there in the playoffs, not involved in the play, sitting barely over the blue line, trying to get off the ice. has nothing to do with it. Oh, goal goes in, and it gets called back because of this offside review. What are we doing? You're, you're, you're trying to fix a technicality and trying to, trying to fix the game, right? You have a missile, and you're trying to hammer in a nail with it. Like address the problem. Don't don't go crazy with this. Yeah. And that's exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And speaking of going crazy, <laughs> can we talk about the catch rule? Oh that boy, screwed over the Lions so many times. I don't care that it screwed over Des Bryant. I'm happy it screwed over Des Bryant. That's a whole different thing because that was a whole different pass interference thing. Lock knock the Lions out of the playoffs. Whatever. Refs still don't know what the hell a catch is. They say you got to have control, two feet in, or some other thing. So you land on your ass, you're good. And then a football move. Oh, that sounds a lot like a lot of calls they've messed up. Whatever. <laughs> it, I like that. That's both a good and a bad. I, I hate what it was. They're moving in the right direction with every iteration. Maybe eventually we'll get there. It, it's just a dumb implication of it. But the dumbest one we got to see last week with the Lions guard whose name I'm going to butcher. Butcher, I believe it was Odabushi. On a illegal crackback block mm-hmm. where the defensive lineman goes and beats the tackle, guard gun nobody, he turns and looks and sees his quarterback's about to be murdered, who's about seven yards deep in the pocket, goes out and blocks the guy, and because he's headed towards his own end zone, makes a forceful block, and it's more than three yards away from the line of scrimmage, penalty. I'm sorry, I thought the offensive lineman's job was to block the guys facing them in making a head, you know, a head facing face hit, like didn't take out his knees, didn't take out his head, blocked him. On any other play, if they're facing the other way, looks great. But no, it's a penalty and it's a drive killer. Um, because I don't know, that's about the dumbest one I've seen in a while, and I haven't even gotten into the pass <laughs> interference one. I'm, I'm sure you guys have plenty. Of, I, I really could go for a long time, but that one absolutely dumbfounded me watching that one it's what are we really trying to fix with that like i i get the crackback ones where you're not facing a guy and you just absolutely obliterate them yeah that's that's not in the pocket that's not a guy facing you who knows you're coming Ugh. Some, somebody else talk i'm getting too worked up and that gives us enough <laughs> audio for episode 300 of the podcast um well, i <clears throat> all good ones i agree i actually i had the the catch rule on there uh, I don't think anyone who's a Detroit Lions fan will ever forget the day that Calvin Johnson scored a game-winning touchdown, and they decided not to let it count. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with Bears. you. It was yeah, it was tough. It was tough. It was very tough. Um, Justin, I I can't um, I can't imagine that any of these are going to be sports we've ever heard of, but you're going to find the rule changes <laughs> for hacky sack championship of the world. Uh, any changes oh, in sports no, that you no. that you enjoy or are not a big fan of? I'm, I'm not going to get obscure on you. Trust me. I, 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 I stuck to the parameters that you gave me, okay? Okay. All right. So my first issue is in figure skating. There is a new rule. <laughs> that... <laughs> no, Tell for real. High alive while you're there. <laughs> no, for real. They, they docked 30 seconds off the singles and couples performances, so you only have four minutes, not four minutes and 30 oh, God, seconds. So that's, that's, that's a joke to me. you got to have enough what? time to complete the triple style cow. Oh, okay. Gosh. Oh man. That's re- that's that's real life. Okay. What's the what's the, what's the move? What's the move from uh, Blades of Glory? Like Blades the Iron Lotus. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you you need those thirty seconds for the yeah, iron loaded. Yeah, yeah. I swear to God, if you cut my head off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but getting getting back to business, I absolutely love when the NHL went to the three on three overtimes. Um, they okay. got rid of the shootout. The shootout was a flipping joke. The shootout is a NFL preseason game. It's pointless. Okay. It, it, it's a it's a skills competition. It is dumb. So, the NHL going to three on three was great. I also had the the completing the process, which echoes back to to Kelvin in Chicago. Um, I I I don't like the idea of, of get grab the ball, touch the ground, touchdown. I don't give two shits if you take the ball while you're flying in the air and you throw it in someone's face. I don't like the completing the process part that hindered that play there. Um. Moving over to college football, I hate their overtime rules. Yeah. I, I, I have no interest in the whole way that it's done. It kind of mimics a shootout for hockey in a sense where it's, oh, you get to go beyond, I think they start on, what, the 25-yard line and then they go. Just let them play like the NFL does. I think the NFL's got it right with overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, Except for when baseball. games end in field goal ties. Yeah, well, that's a whole other issue of their rules. That's a good one for the NFL, too. That's possible. He still doesn't know. (laughs) Um, On a positive note to end it this way, one that I've heard recently for baseball, because everyone's bitching for how long their games are, I love the idea of that when you start a new pitcher, there's a minimum amount of batters that they have to face before they get pulled out. So you can't just bring someone in, oh, this guy blows on the lefty when you do the shift. and I don't know. Give them a minimum of batters that they must see. If it's two-thirds of an inning, whatever. I love that idea. So there's less commercials. There's less changeover of pitchers. So hopefully that's something positive we can be talking about in the future. Ooh. Went with a proposed rule. That would be a good change. Yeah. I like it. That's yep. interesting. Yeah, and then figure like skating because, fucking, you need four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. I, I, you know what? I, I'm I'm actually impressed. You, you you came at us with some good stuff, proposing your own rule. I, I like it. I like what you gave us. It's good. Um, I only really like. I mean, you guys covered almost everything that I had. Uh, mine obviously was the the pass inter- the ability to review pass interference. Um, I put that down as it's going to be good for the beginning and terrible down the road. Good for the beginning and the fact that it'll. Pass interference is going to become a lot, lot, lot harder to get away from or get away with now because they're going to be able to go back and look and see, did so-and-so hold on to him longer? Did, you know, this person, like, technically commit pass interference? But the reason I think it's going to be bad down the road is it's just opened the, the, the door now that before you know it, every play, every second, every snap is going to be under a microscope, reviewed, Every coach is going to have the ability to go, you know what, I think there was something wrong with that play. Review it. And before you know it, refs are going to be pointless. You're not going to need them. You're just going to need the coach to wave a flag. They'll take a break. They'll look at the the play for whatever he thinks happened. And before you know it, the game's going to be un- under such a finite microscope that it's just going to be it's going to be almost unbearable to watch. So while I think it's it's a necessary change for that particular play, I think it opens up the door before you, before long you're going to see them reviewing everything under the sun on every single play. And it's just going to it's going to turn into a very very tough game to watch if they don't figure out a way to make sure that it doesn't increase any more than it already has. Um my only other one and uh this one is kind of strange me complaining 
because uh, I actually played quarterback. But uh, my big complaint is everything in the league now is roughing the passer. Everything. If you breathe on the quarterback as you're running past him, it's roughing the passer. And Halitosis is a serious issue. Nobody wants to deal with I, that. I understand. But <laughs> for me, they need to go back and look at that because in my notes, I legitimately put the fact that uh, I played the position uh, and even I have an issue with it. Yes, you want to protect them. I understand you want to protect your quarterback. But at the end of the day, you're still a football player. And the definition, or by definition, you're a football player, you're one of the 11, and contact comes with that. If contact wasn't a part of it, you wouldn't have that helmet on your head. You wouldn't have those shoulder pads and those you know, the thigh and knee pads. If you were never going to get hit, there'd be no point in you wearing it, and the quarterback should be able to go out there in, you know, in a hoodie and sweatpants. But quarterbacks are going to get hit. It, it, it's it's, it's going to happen. So they need to go back and look at this and need to come up with unlike the catch rule and all that, a clear-cut, defined what is roughing the passer. Because last year there were multiple times where guys got shoved into, pulled on, uh, unable to hold up because the quarterback got rid of the ball at the last second and they hit him, and you're throwing the flag for roughing the passer. And it's like, well, no human being could stop on a dime like you just asked this 380-pound man to do. So they need to go back and come up with a perfect like flawless def, which is very hard to do for the NFL flawless definition of what roughing the passer is because right now I just think there's too much of a gray area and they need to fix it or they're going to run into a lot of problems before you know it, before you know it, anything and everything is going to be roughing the passer. And that's just, that can't happen. You're still a football player. Yes. You are one that they need to keep an eye on and protect, but they need to be that you still need to be able to get to the quarterback and hit him if you have the ability. So now they'll just take away hitting and, RG3 will still find a way to get hurt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I fully expect RG, RG3 to tear his ACL just walking to the locker room. So that's... Yeah, yeah he tore his ACL eating alphabet soup. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, those, those are my only real ones. Other than that, you guys touched on it. The catch rule, all that. I'm not a big fan of college overtime. Uh, Jay, I, I actually was someone, while I do like the three-on-three, I enjoy the shootout every so often. Seeing what these guys can come up with, I, I, I found it fun. Um, you shut your damn mouth. Yeah, the three-on-three, <laughs> the, I will not. I am the host of this show. Uh, the three-on-three the three is, three is enjoyable, too, though, because it is one of those ones where you got to sit forward just a little bit because at any moment that puck could, could be going in. Um, three-on-three. Especially if Danny DeKaiser is playing defense for the Red Wings, the puck will go in for the other team. It's it's an automatic gonna happen kind of thing. Um, speaking of that, I like our, our our best of is the top three football players that didn't make it in the NFL. I'd like to propose the top three players you wish didn't make it. You wish they just didn't oh succeed because Danny oh, DeKaiser would be number one on my list. That would be number Can one. Can we do it right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, because it took us long enough to come up with the parameters of what classifies as didn't make it. So I don't, we need to, I, it would take no, too long. Just rules. Oh, okay. Sidney Crosby, Sidney <laughs> Crosby, oh, LeBron James, and Danny DeKaiser. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Danny DeKaiser would be on that be list. in there if he didn't go to college? That's true. No, I'm talking about didn't make it to the league. Oh, um, just in general. Just okay. in general. Um, Danny DeKaiser would be on that list, which I know this is going to come back to bite me because if this show ever actually does get a chance to talk to these players, I talk a lot of trash about Danny DeKaiser, so I'm almost positive we'll never be able to get him on this show. Just just making sure everybody's okay with that. Um, 
No, but oh, really. really. No, really. We, we, we decided we wanted to do this, so we're going to do our top three players that played college football that, by technicality, didn't make it in the league. Our specifications were as such. What were they, Russ? Because I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so we went, we went back and forth on this a lot, yes, and, it, and it became like a case study, like, hey, what about this guy? No, what about this guy? And we argued about it. So I, I think what we landed at was – 32 starts or less. Yep. Right? Less than five years generally. Um, and that's it's, it's kind of a give and take because there's some guys that, hey, they made it like seven years, but it was as a journeyman scrub and he, he should have been better. Um, so that's where our discretion came into a little bit more. But it's, it's more a clear cut. This was a good college player. This was a guy that you were excited watching. And he got to the NFL and <clears> – <throat> Just took a big old dump on his potential. Yep. So, it, for for lack of more eloquent words, uh, sums up their career. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, just just so just to give some people some perspective here, the the names we're going to list we classify as didn't make it, but we classified players such as like Colt McCoy or Terrell Pryor as technically made it because Terrell Pryor mm-hmm. is on his second contract and he made a pretty decent amount of money. In his contract, he is a quarterback and a wide receiver, depending on what team he plays for. But at the same time, he, he by technicality has made it in the NFL. So, just to give you perspective of the names we mentioned, they're the not makes it, but there, there are guys who, like most people, wouldn't consider Colt McCoy a guy who made it in the NFL. But the guy's got what is it, like twenty seven starts. He he had a almost three thousand yard season. He, and he's made like fourteen million dollars. Yeah, so he has technically made it in the NFL. So like that's a decent career. Yeah. Uh, all right. So because I can't wait any longer, I just have to know, Justin, who did you pick as your three did not make it? Jesus. All right, well, uh, this is where this is where I didn't really follow a lot of rules. I just I look at things and I when I saw it on face value, I said, Yeah, you didn't make it. You 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 were what you were supposed to be. I'll bet you any no. money he picked Tom Brady as one of the didn't make it. Just because oh, we're gonna argue so about this. <laughs> no, right, I've go got ahead. I've got logic. Okay. Okay. So the first rule I'm breaking on this guy is he still <laughs> is in the NFL. Okay. And I know that was one of the things like he's got to be kind of out like on his way out. If you are the backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, are you really an NFL player? <laughs> I'm gonna allow this. Adrian McCarron. AJ McCarron. Okay. AJ McCarron. Right. He has uh, three. Hang on. No, no, no. Okay. I get the point. All, right. All right. He has three natties coming out of college. He played 53 games in college, 9,000 yards, 77 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. His NFL career, three official starts, 13 games, three teams, five touchdowns, and two picks. What, like, how do you how do you win three natties and you've only started three games since 2014? Now you're the backup of the Buffalo Bills. Can I answer that you're question? Done, Can I answer that question? Yeah, you yeah. had a, you had a offensive line that could rival some of the best in the NFL. You had top tier running backs and wide receivers that were amazing. You had a defense that is could probably have finished in the top ten in the NFL in some stats, and also. Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma, Alabama was notorious for not having very good quarterbacks because they didn't need to. They needed a guy that could complete 
10 to 15 passes a game and finish with 200 passing yards and a couple, maybe a touchdown or two, because no one was going to score more than 20 points on them, and the running backs were going to average about 500 yards a game combined. That's how you have three natties as a Alabama quarterback. So correct, yes, he's, he's a Tua, he's a part Tua of a is actually machine. considered the best quarterback Alabama's had in a long, long time. Tua, that, who that's fair, was but, decent, but when but we're was, talking, okay. But when we're talking about you're going into the NFL, you're expected to do something. He hasn't done a damn thing. So I, I it is. Maybe it doesn't qualify, but it is a fall from grace from where he's been with Brent Musburger, like freaking out about him for like, you know, every Saturday night compared to you were the backup in Buffalo. That's a little bit of a, a fall. Right. Jay, I think I, this year is really going to be the make or break for him. He got $4 million from Buffalo last year, which I don't know is a shot at him or Buffalo in general, but Bengals, Raiders, Buffalo, he's now with the Texans on a one-year deal. If he has to go to another team, this might be it. So his make-it-or-not season is probably this one. Yeah, I, I would agree yeah. with that. I would agree. All right, Jay, I want to see where else you go with this because I now have a name that I have to throw at you, and uh, I don't think you're going to like it. But I want to hear your other two first. Wonderful. So it's probably a Sparty quarterback. No, it's not. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my next name is the only other one I take a deeper dive into. Drafted in 2002. He breaks the rule that um, he's got a lot of starts and a lot of games in his book. He's got 76 starts, 81 games played. He played for three teams, 79 touchdowns to 85 picks and a 56% completion rate over his career. What he did in college, which is the exact opposite, 34 games, 7,000 yards, 59 TDs and 23 interceptions, one Joey Harrington. Oh, Joey ball game. So yeah, jo- guys. Jo- Joey's definitely in the classification of did not make it. Joey was just a guy that people gave too many chances to. So that that was when I looked at the numbers deeper than the narrative, I was like, damn, dude, like you have a negative touchdown to interception ratio. <laughs> like that's bad. Well, yeah, you had no, no one to no. throw to for the first five years of his career. Charles Rogers, your Sparty boy, kept breaking his uh, collarbones. Either way, that was that was my second one. My third one, there's no stats needed. It's it's literally all narrative driven, and I feel bad for the dude because I liked him a lot. But that was Johnny Menzel for what he was supposed to be going from A uh, and M over to the NFL, and then for his own personal reasons falling off. Of um, I feel bad for Johnny. Okay. Um, yeah, I I was never a big Johnny fan. I thought I I, I kind of thought that was a that was a college prototype kind of guy. He was NFL was going to be probably a little tough for him. But, yeah, that's fine. Um, I, I, this guy classifies as not making it, but I have to ask because you you really hyped up McCarron's stats. So this guy, by several ESPN analysts, has been called the greatest college football player of all time. Ooh. He didn't make it in the NFL, and it doesn't look like he's going to make it in baseball. But Tim Tebow, like if this guy was – Superior to everyone when he was there, Jay. How are you going to give McCarron a hard time when Tim Tebow, the greatest college football player of all time, didn't manage to make it a few years in the NFL? He did win a playoff uh, game, though. Eh, okay. I've 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 actually um, come across that little device for Men in Black where you can just like wipe your. Tim Tebow doesn't exist anymore in my world. Okay, that's why I didn't think about him. Okay, that's fine. I've I... had enough Tebow for two lifetimes. <clears throat> And, and that's totally fine. I, I was just trying to make the point of, like, 
McCarron had a great college career, but at the same time, like he was on a super team. It wasn't like he was, you know, doing this all by himself. Yeah, he had he had a good supporting cast getting himself to the NFL. I agree with that. And Tebow is probably he probably qualifies as well. To be honest with you, Tim Tebow played for four teams. He had seventeen touchdowns to nine interceptions. Uh, twenty just shy of twenty five hundred passing yards. A seventy five uh, QB rating. And I got to track down his stats. I mean, I think the the fair fair assumption is Tim Tebow didn't really. He started sixteen games in thirty five games played. So, I think by fair assessment, he didn't really. To be fair, Tim Tebow really only played in the NFL for three years. He was on other teams, and he never mm-hmm. even got into the game. So, the finest personal punt protector you'll ever see. Yeah. So, <laughs> to be fair, Tim Tebow. I think everybody can fairly say Tim Tebow didn't make it. It's just a fact of. You know, he was. If you're going to talk about how great someone did in college, everybody we're going to talk about on this thing did great in college. So, all right, Ross, top three didn't make it. All right, the the first one, he almost has to be there just in honor of being the last cover athlete for NCAA football, which I, because of this, had to go dust off my old copy and play because oh, I got go. all yeah. kinds of nostalgic. Oh yeah, uh, Mr. Shoelace, Denard Robinson. The quote-unquote quarterback, right, like played running back for four years for Jacksonville, got 13 starts, only had two seasons where he had more than like 200 total yards. Uh, but college-wise, you you look at since 2000, there's only been eight other quarterbacks who've had multi-years of 2,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing. Denard has two of them. There's only been 22 of them that have done it. Kaepernick's the only one to have, in that time frame, gotten three. So that's for an era of Michigan football that was started with me seeing the Appalachian State defeat. Denard was a nice change of pace for me. He made college football bearable again. And for that, he's always going to have a place in my heart, even though, man, he sucked for a team that sucked in the NFL. Um, my next guy... Um, the second of my guys who actually finished in the top ten in Heisman voting their last year in college, uh, a little off the board, Owen Merichit from Stanford. Played fullback, played linebacker, was the inaugural Paul Horn- Hornwag Award winner, which is, is given for the most versatile player in college football. And he has the dubious distinction of being part of that Julio trade where Cleveland gave Atlanta Julio freaking Jones. <laughs> He also has the last time that a player scored on both offense and defense in the same play, and he did it within 13 seconds of each other. Dude was the epitome of just a college stud. That just he, There was no fit for him at the next round, but he could play everywhere. When you make up a college movie and you see the star player play on both sides, it's Owen Merichich. Like That's who he is. He's probably out there. Um, oh, no, actually, I did look up what he's doing. He's doing medical stuff now. So, dude's smart on top of that. Oh, double score. Yeah. Came in 10th in Heisman voting as a fullback slash linebacker. You're not going to see many more of those. Um, and he only played six games, and then they were for the Browns. So, I got to give him some love just for enduring that mess. <laughs> and my last guy... Hits home because of why he didn't make it. He's a little different than the others where Denard didn't make it because of, well, talent and fit. 
Owen didn't make it because of fit. Javid Best didn't make it because he couldn't stop getting concussed. Yeah. Right? Like he, he came into the NFL with concussion issues, but a set of highlight plays that, in the words of a, uh, a certain disgraced former Detroit Lions head coach, were something that he could pleasure himself to. Tim Schwartz once said that some people watch adult videos at night. I watch highlight reels of Java Best. Probably why he didn't work out as the coach. (laughs) But I had to remind everyone that that's something he said to a reporter. Um, But Java Best was incredibly electric, like made you watch Cal football, which didn't happen a lot recently. No. And and who else can say they made it to the NFL? Well, they got to play in the NFL. They didn't make it. And also lost to Usain Bolt in the Olympics. Yeah. Like, that that's how electric of an athlete this guy was. Just made out of absolute paper mache. And if he could wear two helmets, maybe he would have made it more than three years in the league. Yeah, now someone needs to tell Antonio Brown, look at, that's why you want a good yeah, helmet. Yeah, that, that's the guy. Yeah, look at him. And he didn't get frostbite, frostbite on his feet. <laughs> no, he took care of his feet. Yeah. Ugh. Antonio Brown. Yeah. So yeah, those are my three. Okay. And I miss them dearly. Yeah. All right. Um uh my first one, and I have a hard time picking him just because he was on a team that gave our Wolverines so much grief over the years, Ross. Uh and that's one Brady Quinn out of Notre Dame. Oh, Brady Quinn. Yeah. He I but the thing is for all the grief he gave us, this was a guy that if I had the ability to, you know, if I was able to sit down and actually watch, he was someone I wanted to watch play. He was just a great quarterback. He fit the prototype uh, pro offense that every team was running in the NFL. You you watch this guy finish and go, wow, this dude's going to be the first quarterback taken in the draft. He's just, he's going to be in the NFL for 20 years. He's going to be that, that he's going to be the next Manning and Brady. He's going to be the franchise guy. Uh, He played in 24 games. Uh, with one, two, three, with five over five teams, uh, finished his career with three thousand passing yards, had twelve TDs to seventeen interceptions, but just could never stick. I mean, the most he ever did, he played in ten games uh, with the Cleveland Browns in two thousand and nine, but just couldn't. I mean, it's Cleveland Browns, so you got to take a little bit away from that. But just couldn't really stick in the league, and uh, I, I always regret it because I. I I liked the guy. I thought he was a really good football player, and I sad to say I was very wrong in my prediction of him. Uh, he isn't part of a uh, very interesting curse in Cleveland, though, where they picked three straight quarterbacks with the twenty-second overall pick, and they were all bucks. Yeah, I would like to and say Brandon Whedon and Johnny Manziel. As a, but as a uh, as a fair, fair thing, uh, as a side one and a, an extra one, I would like to say. We all need to, you know, say that we're really sorry for any quarterback taken by the Cleveland Browns prior to ba- prior to Baker Mayfield. You were never given a fighting yep. chance. So, no. little little remorse there. Little remorse. Um, all the way back to Tim Couch. Yeah, little remorse there. I'm very sorry. You never had a fighting chance, and that's 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 tragic. Um, my number two. This is a guy that I know I, for a fact, loved watching when he was in college. Russ, I'm sure you enjoyed watching him too. Uh, amazing running back. His one knock, anybody could have caught him once they got into the open field. Uh, and that's Mike Hart. Mike Hart, great running back through the line. No one was going to take him down. The problem was a kid in a stroller 
could uh, outrun this guy. He was not very fast. Um, and was probably taller. Yeah, and probably was taller. Uh, and that's the knock. He uh, only played in a grand total of about 20 games in the NFL. Only started one of those games. Finished his career with 260 rushing yards. And just, this was another guy that I, I never expected him to be the highlight back on a team. But I thought with his ability to get through the line, he's a great goal line back, short yardage guy. And he's someone that he can still make plays. He can still eat up a chunk of yards. And I just thought this is a guy that's going to be in the NFL for a while uh, and just going to have a really good, solid career. And to see him out of the league within three years, never really given a chance. I mean, to be fair, he did go into a league, into a, onto a team where they had Edron James, who was a heck of a running back at the time. So you were never really getting a fighting chance to begin with. But it's just it, it's a little bit tougher because this was a you know obviously a Michigan guy, someone that I really enjoyed watching, and I was kind of hoping um, we would have been better. Uh, my third one, uh, we sent our list. Most uh, Jay didn't send his list at a time. Russ and I sent ours. Uh, I did decide to make one change to my list. My original third option was going to be Matt Leinert, quarterback out of USC, just for the fact that USC's dominance was right around the time we were in high school. So I I was a fan of Matt Leinert, how he played. The guy was didn't have the biggest arm, but he was so accurate, so precise, which is how I tried to play because I didn't have the biggest arm either. Uh, obviously, Matt Leinert's a foot taller than me, but still – Everything else, we seem to be just alike each other. But I just, I, I, I as totally, I, yeah, totally. Uh, but hey, neither of us really made it in the NFL, so that counts. Um, but my third one, I decided to go back and someone who, this guy, rewrote the passing records in college football. He was so much fun to watch. Yeah, he wasn't on a very good school, but this guy threw the ball all over the place. I can remember staying up until ten, eleven o'clock just to watch the kickoffs of these games because he played in Hawaii on the, you know, on the West coast. Uh, then he goes to the NFL and I, again, this is where you don't ever want to trust my prediction of early 2000 players. Cause I didn't know what I was thinking. I thought this guy was going to go and just, he got drafted by Washington. He's going to go in quarterbacks coach. You're going to fix him up. He's got a little bit of a weird release, but they'll, they'll, they'll work with him. They'll figure it out. He'll, he, he's not going to start this year, but over time he'll, he'll work his way in and they'll see how good he is. And uh, to make a long story short, he never played a single down in the NFL, never played, uh, got cut from the practice squad of uh, the, Ra- uh, the Redskins, got signed by the Raiders, didn't work there, played in a couple uh, Canadian teams, played for Kisses Arena football team until they found out he had way too many head problems. And that is Colt Brennan the quarterback out of Hawaii who destroyed every passing record there was to destroy. Not to mention the dude had a rainbow visor and it was just awesome. So those were my three that I really wish could have stuck in the NFL. Cause I think they were all really good and would have been fun to watch, but none of them were able to make it. Uh, my condolences to Matt liner. You'll be on my list someday for something. We'll, we'll figure something out. Uh, probably the second best, survive. Yeah, probably the second best USC player of the early two thousands behind Carson Palmer. But other than that, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to do it for us here on Armchair Sports Talk. Uh, another great show. We got a got a preseason game tomorrow, guys. Everybody's got to watch it because Lord knows we got to do another one of these a week a uh, week from now and uh, see if we're any more confident about the Detroit Lions in the 2019 season. Uh, real quick, as the last comments, Jay, your thoughts on snacks? One year, eleven million dollar contract. 
Um, I like it because I think there is not any guaranteed money next year. So that is a financially smart move. So I'm all about it. All right. My thanks to Justin Marcus, man. You're the best, buddy. Hey, I try to bring it every week. Sometimes yeah. I don't, but today I think I tried. Statman Russ Ivanak, same question. Thoughts on the contract? <laughs> and can you prove Justin wrong? Is there any guaranteed money next year? There, he was actually 100% right. There was zero guaranteed money left on Snack's contract, and that was a big part of why he was trying to get a new one. Because we could have a lockout in two years. So, yeah, yeah. It, it gives him $12 million guaranteed. It's only a one-year extension, which, hey, 11 more than I wanted, but only one year, I'm okay with that. So good deal for both sides. Man, let's get him out there and let's show what this line can do. Yep. Statman Russ Ivanak, appreciate you making us sound smarter than we really are, buddy. Uh, anytime, man. It's a blast. And as, oh, by the way, in case anybody cares to know, I am actually a fan of the contract. I like it. I think it's a good deal. Uh, again, it works you have out. Opinions and stuff? Yeah, I have opinions. He's going to be 33 by the time this contract expires. Don't know how I feel about $11 million when you're 33 years old, but if this guy can clog up the middle of that line and make it so running on the insides next to impossible, uh, I'm all for that. So uh, I'm, I'm good with it. A little, little more, like Russ said, a little more than probably would have liked, but I can live with it. Uh, yeah, as always, I'm your host, Eric Dorsch. That's one small step for us, one giant leap back in Detroit sports broadcasting. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul.